This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. All right, here we go, guys. We're in a series called The Core. The Core because it's the most important four promises that you can come across in Scripture. All 3,500 promises of Scripture really stem back to these four promises. I only know of two series in all the years of pulpit ministry here at Calvary. I only know of two series that I repeat. One of which is called Life in the Spirit. Because I am fully committed to teaching and leading people into living a life that's led by the Holy Spirit. God's will for your life is to not just live out of your flesh and to live out of your intellect, your knowledge, and your wisdom. But God wants to live through you. And he wants to lead you into all the full blessings he has for your life. So that's a series that I repeat. But then there's a second series that I repeat, and that's where we are today. It's called The Core. Because I know that the essence of education is repetition, as they say. So the more and more that you hear it taught, the more you get it. Well, the more you get it, the more you enjoy the results of the word of the Lord. In week one, we talked about the first promise of Exodus chapter 6 and verse number 6. And that was the simple fact that God wants to save you. God wants to save you to the point where you get to know him. He already knows you, but he wants you to get to know him. And then last week, we talked about that not only does he want to save you and allow you the privilege of getting to know him better, he wants you to know freedom. And we've been working from this fun little idea that if we were incarcerated, if we were imprisoned, and we all of a sudden escaped, that doesn't mean that we're free from the handcuffs of the prison life or the the garment that the prisoner must wear, uh, the old orange outfit. Uh, that the prisoners wear. Well, God doesn't want to free you from sin and still have you live like the world. What God's plan for you is to be saved and then find freedom from sin, and it's a process. Well, then today we're going to preach from this third promise. Of course, we're going to see it in the text. But the third promise is it was never God's intention for you to be a slave to sin in the first place. His intention was for you to live a godly purposed life. But what happened with sin through your Adamic nature, it puts you into a lifestyle of sin that you never had the opportunity of knowing what your original purpose was. So now that he has saved you and now that he is setting you free over time, he wants to reveal to you what his original purpose was. And I'm going to share that with you before we go home this morning. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgment. And I will take you to me for people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Notice in the King James Version of Scripture, these big words are, I will. Somebody say this out loud. Say, I can take God at his word. 
That's right. He's saying, I will. Well, I know that you've been let down because there's been a lot of people that said that they will do something and they didn't do it. But God, when he says, I will, you can take it to the bank. He's going to do what he's saying he's going to do. And these promises are, I will bring you out of sin or, or slavery to sin. I will rid you from that, meaning I'm going to clean you up and change your life from what you've always known. And I will redeem or purchase you back and reveal to you your uh, godly purpose in life. And then next Sunday we'll wrap the series up with that you that he will, I will be to you a Lord and God. Let's get started on this knowing your purpose, that you can know your God's given purpose. If you were to look in just a basic simple dictionary, everybody's got one. If you don't have a hard copy, you got it on your phone. Uh, a basic definition of redeemed means to purchase back. Doesn't have to be complicated. We don't have to have uh, some in-depth discussion on it. It really just means to be purchased back. God wants to redeem, to buy you back from the life of sin. You never were meant to be in that lifestyle, but thanks to the old Adam and Eve, we were born into that lifestyle, but God wants to buy you back. He wants to redeem you and then set you free over time. But it also, another definition is to repurchase or to repair, to reform. And then there's this word that I love. The word is restore. Now, at my house, there's a rule at my house, and that is I am the king of the remote control. Now, I am dethroned quite often, but I still claim that I have that position in my house. Every now and then, I'll have a sweet spirit hit me, and I'll share my remote. And it's happening more and more often now. But I'm still determined to live this lie that I'm the king of my house. Well, when you have three women, we all know the truth to that statement. But still, it's my story and I'm sticking to it. I am the king of my house. I love my ESPN, my golf channel. I'm a hunting show junkie. I love hunting shows. Uh, I, I love watching the news. I love uh, financial television stuff. I love me some Bloomberg TV. I love all of that. But when Denora gets the remote, she goes a whole different direction with it. And I kind of fought her on it for a while. And then where I messed up was I sat down and watched this show with her one time. And now I like it. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed about it. But I got to be honest. There's this show that she loves called Fixer Up. Half backslidden church. <laughs> she loves it. In a way, we think we're like best friends with Chip and Joanne. I mean, we kind of get them, you know. One night we were sitting in the bed and, and man, we were struggling getting sleepy and going to sleep. So we flipped on our DVR and we watched the episode. And the Nora, bless her heart, it was so cute and sweet. She said, I just want to be them. <laughs> They're little howls. They're little kids and chickens. And I went, you really want some chicken? 
before we before we settled with where we would want to uh, where we would want to live long term here in Burleson, I'd always fancied the idea of having like a, you know a small piece of property somewhere out. You know, it's that manly dream to be able to bow hunt without everybody knowing you're illegally hunting. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> so. I was thinking all these thoughts in Denora's like if I could build in the parking lot of Coles, I would build in the park. And now all of a sudden because Joanna's got chickens, she's want chickens, you know. But the, the idea of the show, if you've watched it, it sounds like a few of you have, is, is I've noticed this trend. There's a real hot trend in repurposing materials. They use a lot of repurposed woods, even fabrics, uh, they repurpose metals, and what they do is they take these objects that, that for the majority of us, we would think would be considered uh, trash that we would part ways with. We'd put them on the curb and let somebody come get them, you know. Well, the show is about they take these materials that other people want to throw away and do away with. They take them, spend a little love on it, mix a little love and attention on it, rework it, and then they make the material just this incredible display of beauty. And all of us flip our remotes over and go, wow, look how beautiful. And then we say, I never would have thought about using that. And who would have ever been so creative to taking that and making it so nice? Well, for the sake of being really corny and really cheesy, I get it. This is a preacher statement. But at the same time, it's really true. The good news is, just like we're kind of getting into this repurpose thing, God's always been into repurposing. It's not original with the show, Fixer Upper. God's always been into fixing things up. He's the original Fixer Upper. Before there was ever cable television and, and neat things happening in Waco, who would have ever thought of that? Neat things happening in Waco. Before any of that, God was around the entire planet Earth taking things that people thought were not worth having, that people thought were worth throwing away, taking that individual, spending some love and some time on them, and putting them in a display case of God's grace and letting the world say, holy macaroni, how did he turn out to be that? Other than, everybody say, the grace of Jesus Christ. God's plan for your life is not for you to be thrown away, tossed out, pushed aside. But what God wants to do in your life, in your family, he is wanting to buy you back, clean you up, and flip you, if you will, into being something so special that people are attracted to you to where they get an idea of what the possibilities are in their own life because of God. Someone clap your hands to the Lord this morning. God's in the saving business. He's in the setting free business or the delivering business. And he's definitely in the restoring business. So how is he going to redeem us? The Bible really gives us these two key points. How he will redeem. He says, I will redeem you. But how is he going to do it? First of all, he says that he's going to use a stretched out arm. And then he follows that up with a second point And with mighty or great 
with great judgments. Let's talk about the arm first and the length of that arm and the direction of his reach. Here's, here's the truth of the matter. When we're living in our sin and we have a coming to our sense moment where we realize that we're lost and this is the only world we're ever going to know and if anything's ever going to change for us, we're going to have to get out of this world of sin, this cycle of bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. If anything's going to change, we're going to have to do stuff, something differently. And when we come to our senses, repent of our sins, we reach up and take the hand of God, and he brings us out of sin, well, guess what? Now we become a partner with God in being set free from all of the years of, of really learning how to be as bad of a person that we could ever be. We really mastered it, right? We learned how to hate we learn how to abuse. We learn how to lie. We learn how to sneak. I mean to tell you, we became good at it. Well, God wants to save us, and then he's got to reprogram us and really disciple us into living a life that's pleasing unto God. So we become partners with God's grace. In other words, he does the saving. We do the work with God in us, through us, and for us to find freedom. I said this in the first service, and I only use this because it's something very personal with me in my life because it concerns my own father. I cannot explain. I wish I was a, a smart enough theologian to be able to communicate why some people get saved and they're automatically just delivered from all of their issues. I mean to tell you, they can have an addiction that's so strong, but then when they get saved, it's broken, and they never struggle again. I do believe that's possible. It happened in my own family. But then I cannot explain why others have to go through a process. But I will tell you this, whether it's an instant delivery or whether it's a life process delivery, the point is God saved you and now you're in a season of living this life in order to get to glory. And it's either going to, it's going to happen for all of us. None of us are immune from it. We're either going to pass from this life by physical death or the rapture will take place and you will go to be with the Lord as the New Testament church is being carried or caught up to be with the Lord. But what about this span of time in between salvation and heaven? Well, for my father, he was addicted to smoking, heavily addicted to two, two and a half packs a day. And when he went down to an altar, he had an old, an old shirt on that had a pocket similar as mine. And he had a pack of cigarettes in his pocket. And he made up his mind right then that he was going to partner with God. And he took those cigarettes and put it on the altar. And for him, he's one of the stories where he's never looked back. But yet he'll admit to you right now today that there's been countless times where he wanted to. There's been countless opportunities where he could. But he was so fortunate to have that broken. But to all of my friends that are in this service that have not been on that fortunate side of the table, I wish I could tell you why it's a struggle for you, but I don't know why. But I do want you to know this. When you come to the Lord and you repent of your sins and you are saved by the grace of God, what the enemy wants to do is use these type of life issues to make you think that you never were touched by the Lord. 
And then unfortunately, he wants to use religious people to remind you of that. But before any of you, and I know I'm a preacher and I'm on my soapbox, but I'm the one with the mic today, maybe the last day after this. But before any of you wag your finger and say, oh, he didn't, he wasn't touched by God because he's still, no, 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 no. Do you really want us to plug you into a little monitor and let us see what all the junk you're dealing with? The difference in their, his junk or her junk and your junk is we can see that junk. Your junk's so mastered that it's kept private. But your same issues, they're just different colors. So before we get too quick, wow, I, 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 may, need, I may get to do this next week. That's, pretty, that's great. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Check this out. You're in the process, man, of finding freedom. And most things that have you bound, whether it be privately and secretly and discreetly or openly, most of the time you don't want those things. You wish you could snap and break that problem. But for some reason you can't. But before you give up and turn around and walk away from God, I want you to know you're in the hand of the Lord. And he loves you, he cares about you, and he wants you to partner with him in this journey to find your freedom. Someone say amen. Let me help you understand what this means by scripture. He says that he is going to redeem you by a stretched out arm. Because this is what happens when you come to the Lord and you get saved, but you realize you're still dealing with some things. Condemnation sets in. And condemnation makes you feel low. Inferiority comes in. It makes you feel down. Struggles and, and pressures. And you look around and you see church people and, oh, they've got it together. And you look in the mirror and you realize you don't have it together. And you start feeling lower than you've ever felt before. You know that you felt the love of God when you gave him your heart. But yet you look at the reality of things and you're so surrounded by stuff and issues and you get lower and you get lower and the enemy is attacking you on every corner and no one's for you, everybody's against you and judgment's coming from every, every angle but the hand of the Lord says you belong to me and as low as you go my arm is still long enough to stretch as low as you can get because I will redeem you I will own you. I will be your Lord. And as low as you go, I can go even lower. As bad as you feel, I can still get down there with you because he's in this together with you. This is how David says it in the NIV, Psalms 18.35, if you want to write it down. Psalm 18.35 in the NIV, David says, God, you, you stoop down to make us great. Think about the mighty God is willing to come down to lift you up. Another uh, portion of David's writings, Psalms 40 and verse number 1. Someone needs to hear this today. Verse number 1 of chapter 40, he says this in the King James Version of Scripture. I waited patiently for the Lord. How many of you know once you come to the Lord and you're saved? How many of you know that 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 it's gonna you're gonna have to have some patience between now and heaven? 
I should get a, like a old-fashioned churchy amen on that. How many of you know once you come to the Lord, you got to be patient on your way to heaven? Because <laughs> you're still living with some people in your house. And you got to be patient. Are there any patient people here? Are you brave enough to raise your hand? Because uh, if you raise your hand, we really don't like you. We love you. We just don't like you. Because none of us really are patient in our being. Because we want things to change. When? Everybody say now. But David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. But here's the hope. Here's the good news. Hear it, everybody. He says, I've waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Thank you, Lord. When I thought I couldn't wait any longer, when I thought I was ready to give up, thank you, Lord, for the little bit of patience I had as I waited for you to let me know freedom. You heard my cry. In verse 2, he brought me up and also out of a horrible pit, the pit of condemnation, the pit of inferiority, the pit of guilt and shame. How many of you know that's what sin wants to do? Sin wants to pull you down into a pit where you never want to try again. And God says, I'm going to bring you up and I'm going to bring you out. And this is what he says, out of the miry clay. And he's not done. He doesn't just want to bring you up and out of all of that trash. He says, and he wants to put my feet on a rock. And here's our sermon today. And establish my goings. He wants me to come out of sin, find freedom. And now he wants to reveal to me what my original purpose was. He wants to establish where I'm going now. In other words, we're going to have to let go of where we've been in order to get to where we're going. We're going to have to start driving our life through the, through the front window uh, windshield, not the rear view mirror. There's a reason that big front windshield's bigger than that small rear view mirror. There's a reason for it. Because God's wanting to bring you up, out, and taking you forward. The little music clip we saw with Ricardo, that song has meant something so powerful in this church for many years now because we're not going backwards we're going forwards God's intent God's plan for your life is to not go backwards he didn't bring you out of sin for you just to taste his grace just to go back no God wants to bring you up and out set you free and move you everybody say forward into what into his original purpose for you the original purpose and when you grow up in sin, you don't ever have the privilege of knowing what the original purpose was. So now we have this incredible, new, fresh, beautiful understanding of why was I born anyway? What's the point of Tommy Brandon? I have a purpose. And God wants to show it to me. And how he's going to show it to me is he's willing to stoop down low with an outstretched arm and hold on to me. And then with the other hand, it says, and with great judgments. Now, now for all of you that might think judgments, I thought I, I thought I was, I thought we've moved on from the judgment scene, right? Because we're right with God. The good news is this: those great judgments are not against you, they're against the enemy that wants to keep you down. 
He's so determined to redeem you and to reveal your purpose in life that he's going to go low and find you and cast judgments against the enemy that's attacking you the whole while. In other words, you're in the hand of the Lord, and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Somebody say amen. Let's clap our hands this morning. God promises he's going to redeem us. And he's going to reveal to us our purpose. Give me two more points and we'll be done today. What is your purpose? Well, I believe with all my heart that every single one of us on the planet Earth, before our time, during our time, and if the Lord tarries long enough, even after we're all gone, that we all have a common purpose that was put into us at, at creation. It's the part of the, of the Adamic and Eve's nature that we still have because God put that into his creation. And I'm going to close today with that. But before that, I want to tell you also that you're not just lumped into one bucket of creation. You're very unique. Not just unique with your height and your hair color and fingerprint. That, that's cool stuff. But you're unique in the sense that you have a gift that was custom tailored fit just for you to the point now man this is awesome I'm, I'm hearing this right now check this out to the point he knew what you were to do before there was ever a you he created you to do what you were supposed to do now that's that man everybody go huh yeah your mind's on barbecue right now and you just didn't catch that <laughs> He already knew what you were going to do, so he had to make you to go do it. You have a unique gifting and ability within you, Laura, that no one else in this room has but you. Well, Pastor Tommy, how do I, how do I know how to handle it? How do I know how to work it? What do I do with that? You're kind of wigging me out right now, Pastor Tommy. I thought I was just a, an accountant. I thought I was a hairstylist. I thought, you, what do you, you, you must be talking about preachers right now. No, 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 no. It has nothing to be about a job. It's about who you are. It's not what your hands do. It's what your life does for the body of Christ. You have a gift within you that whether you ever do anything, being is a blessing to the kingdom of God because he's got that gift in you. And therefore, James and Susan, it, it shows up in areas where all of us marvel and go, wow, how unique is that? How special is that? Rick Warren out on the West Coast, uh, one of our incredible national uh, Christian leaders in America, a dynamic preacher of the gospel as well. Uh, he has a unique way of sharing the uniqueness of all of our gifts, the spiritual gifts that all of us have within us. He has a unique way of, of uh, showing us how they work. Let's imagine that we're all family, okay? That we're all family and we're sitting around. Let's pretend that it's holiday season and, and let's pretend that somebody that's really good at cooking desserts, they brought their best dessert and we've all been given a piece of the dessert and let's pretend now that you dropped your piece of dessert. That's a bummer. Well, everyone in the room has their own unique way of dealing with you dropping your dessert. <clears throat> Check this out. This is fun. If Mercy was in the room and you dropped your dessert, Mercy would say, hey, don't feel bad. 
It could have happened to anybody. Thank God there's a few people with mercy. Unfortunately, when I took my spiritual gift test, mercy, I failed mercy. <laughs> so that wouldn't have been me. But here's me, because there's a preacher in the room. When the desserts drop, the preacher says, that's what happens when you're not careful. How many families have the preacher in the family, right? Now listen, this is supposed to bring health to the family, not division. So don't be going, yeah, you know Uncle Jim's a preacher. He's always wagging fingers. What happens in the room when the gift of serving, when serving sees you drop your dessert, this is what serving does. Serving says, hey, let me help you clean that up. Thank God for the servers in, in, in the family, right? And then there's the teacher. You drop your dessert during the holiday. The teacher says, you know, the reason that it fell is because it was too heavy on one side of the plate. And we all looked at the teacher and went, mind your own business, man. <laughs> but thank God there's the teacher, right? So we've had the preacher, we've, we've had the teacher, we've had the server, we've had mercy, and then every family has the exhortation gift represented, and that individual would probably put these, in, these words out there. Hey, next time, let's serve the dessert with the meal. They're just looking to, to, to bring clarity to things. And then there's the giver. There's always a giver in the family, and the giver just sits there, wipes his or her mouth, and says, hey, I'll be happy to buy you a new dessert. Don't worry about it. Thank God for the giver. And then there's the cousin that we all have, the administrator. Hey, Jim, would you go get the mop? Hey, Sue, would you pick that up for us? Hey, Mary, why don't you get down there and clean that up for us all? The administration department has just shown up to do nothing. But we all know we need the administration. We need the serving. We need the giving. We need the mercy. We need the teacher. We need the preacher. And then one elder that was in the 9 o'clock service came to the altar this morning. And he said, hey, you missed a point in the sermon. And I'm thinking, okay, imagine that. Do that quite often. Which point was that, brother? And he says, you know, when you were talking about all the people in the family, the giver, the server, the preacher, the teacher, the exhorter. I said, yeah. He said, you missed one. I said, what was that? He said, you missed the cheapskate that says, pick that up, dust it off. I'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and all the cheapskates said, amen. <laughs> we call it the five-second rule, right? I just knew the dude was going to hammer on me something like out of Revelation or something. It set me back so bad, I was like, yeah, I did. Oh, Oh, you're, you're, that's awesome. When you come to know your gift, I want, I, want to, I want to set you free today. We're about done. I want you to take a big deep breath and be set free from this because when you come to know your gift, it's not perfected. It's new. Why is it new? Because you just got saved. And you're just coming into the understanding of what your original purpose was. 
You thought your purpose was Friday Night Club, and you thought your purpose was multiple relationships. You thought your purpose was a few different bankruptcies along the way. You thought your purpose was lying, cheating, conniving your way through life. You thought your purpose was this, 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 all wrapped up in money, all wrapped up in lust, all wrapped up in sin. You thought that was your purpose, and now overnight, you come into the understanding that God loves you, and he wants to save you from all of that. But yet, when you come to knowing your real purpose, it's like, I don't know, how. To do, what do I do with mercy? What do I do with compassion? How do I handle giving? Now, this is my money. How, you, you're trying to get my money, preacher. You're trying to get my money, homeless. You're trying to get my money, uh, mission around town. And, and, you, and you have to, you know, you got to come into this process slowly knowing that God's on your side. And God's wanting to lead you and coach you, if you will, coach you into learning how to develop this new purpose. Now, we talked about that from an individual point because all of you have a unique individual gift. Uh, the first Sunday of March will be our next growth track. Growth track is just the terminology we use here at Calvary Church that will allow you that would like to further your relationship with our church. We have a few lunches and classes after this 11 o'clock service. It starts in March. We do it all throughout the year. Within those little classes, what we do is we actually, through the help of the Word of God specifically and then a few little questionnaires, we can help you get real close identifying what that unique, special, custom-tailored gift is for your life. And then if you'll allow us, we can help you see how to develop it. That's one of the cool things about being a part of a local church and not just kind of hanging out there, but getting in and doing life with it, you could actually use the mercy, the serving, the exhortation, etc. But then I told you a few minutes ago that there was a common purpose. All around the world, before you and I were born, and it will be the purpose of God in people, even after our time has come and gone, if the Lord takes. That common purpose is this. It's in every race, on every square inch of dirt on the planet Earth, no matter where they are. God wants to save you from sin. He wants you to be free from your issues. He wants you to come into understanding that you have a unique gift. But then he also wants to show you the big, big purpose in your life. And that is... To love God and love others. To serve God and serve others. Over here in sin, it's all about me. But over here in the hand of God, it's all about you. Over here in sin, it's what, it's what I want. What I feel is best, it's self-centered. Because what am I living from? I'm living from my flesh. I want to spend more, consume more, hate more. I want to I wanna hoard more. I want everything about me, 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 me. But once I come to know Jesus Christ, it becomes about his others. The ultimate purpose of God in your life is for you to love God by serving other people. Pastor Tommy, that's so, I, I'm the one that I kind of like being served. Well, that's the, that's the truth that you're still in that process of being set free. 
I want to read a portion of scripture for you, and then I'm going to pray over you. I wish our worship team would come and help me close today. And while they're coming, I, I want to read this portion of scripture for you. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 in the message, verses 11 and 12, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall, everyone say the overall purpose. He is working out in everything and everyone. On the way to church this morning, I was listening to just basic um, Christian contemporary music on the radio. And I heard a song on the radio that I'm sure I've heard it at some point, but I never really listened. But when they said, they introduced the song, when they introduced it, I heard the song title was Redeemed. And I guess it was just so much in my spirit today preaching on redemption I, I mean, it was like, boom, I locked in, and I didn't have time before church to print the lyrics out. Again, it just happened this morning at 8 o'clock, so I just pulled it up on my phone in the first service. But a band by the name of uh, Big Daddy Weave, <laughs> Big Daddy Weave, thank God that we have moved on from like, never mind, we won't name other groups. We, our, our band names are finally catching up with, never mind. Here we go. The chorus of the song Redeemed, maybe you've heard it. It says, I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll, everyone say, it's my responsibility. My responsibility. Yeah. So I'll shake off these chains. I'll wipe away every stain. Now I'm not who I used to be. I'm redeemed. He wants to save you. He wants to partner with you as you shake off the chains of your past and wipe away the stains of your yesterday. He wants you to be so free that you can come into understanding your real life's purpose, your unique giftings, but also learning how to love other people. All color, all age, all political parties. You were on board until that, right? You're like, yes, woo. All political parties, all nationalities. What God's purpose is to get you right where you could bring someone else to know Jesus. Won't you stand this morning? Prayer partners, will you quickly come and take your rightful place? I really ask you just for some more of your attention before we dismiss you. Real quick today. I'm going to use this word. Everybody listen. There is an order. There is an order. There's an order. 
You cannot come to love people and you cannot operate in your unique spiritual gift. You can't do it if you're not in the process of being set free. And you can't get into the process of being free from life's issues if you've never gotten saved. We, we oftentimes just want deliverance from our problems, but we forget that we got to get right with God. There's an order. There is a first step. And that first step is you repenting of your sin and you giving your life to Jesus Christ. There's no shortcuts. The good news is it's no work required. It's not painful. It's not long. It's free. It's a simple step of you locking in and believing with full faith that he can free you from your sin. You don't have to figure it all out right now. You just got to be willing to believe that he's going to forgive you of your sin. And if you're willing to get the courage to trust God with your sin, I got full confidence then that you're going to be willing to let him take you further into this experience of the Christian faith. But there is a first step. And that's what I want to talk about right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you need to take that first step, if you need to turn your life over to Jesus, if you need to repent of your sins and allow him to cleanse your life, there's things in your mind that's been troubling you. There's a darkness in your life that you want to bring into the light of God. And it comes right now if you're willing to accept all over this room, real quick, I want you to lift your hands if you need to give your life to Jesus. If you really fully need to give your life to Jesus Christ and you need to repent of your sins and allow him to forgive you where you can start this process of really coming to understand why you were really here. Lift your hand real quick and leave it up where I can see you. Way in the back there, I see several of your hands right here in this center section. God bless you, my friend. I see you. Leave your hands up, okay? This is what I want you to do. We're about to sing this song that we enjoyed during the service concerning your value and your worth. If your hands lifted up, if your hands in the air and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, I want you to quickly come and our prayer partners are going to lead you to Jesus Christ. We're going to pray over you. We're going to pray the prayer of faith over you. Quickly come.